uh, but because it's a brand new year, I wanted to find a prayer uh, that kind of reflected uh, what we're going to be talking about today and where we want to go this year. So this is a prayer written by Reverend Richard J. Fairchild. Will you pray with me? Gracious Father, you are the Lord of our beginnings and our endings and all that lies between. We praise you for how you have poured out upon us blessing after blessing, for how you have reached out to us, for how you have come to us, for how you have spoken to us. Help us to live the faith you have given us. In your mercy, Lord, hear our prayer. Loving God, we thank you for how Christ Jesus came among us and identified himself completely with us going so far as to take upon himself our sin, our suffering, and finally our death. Help us, Lord, to not hold back ourselves from identifying with him and with the church that he established. May we indeed be united with him in his death so that we might also share in his resurrection. Help us to commit ourselves to him and to the family he has called us to be a part of, to be members of His visible body here in this place, to be His disciples and His apostles, His evangelists and His teachers, His feet and His hands, His eyes and His ears, His light and His salt, day by day. Lord, in Your mercy, hear our prayer. Anoint all the people of Your church, O God, that your will may be done and your name be glorified. Make us one as you are one, both those who are near and those who are far off. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Anoint the grieving with your comfort so that may, they may know your light even in the time of their deepest darkness. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Anoint the broken in body and spirit with your healing so that they may know you are Lord of all their days and so that they may praise you each day no matter what it may bring. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Anoint, O God, all those for whom we now ask in the silence of our hearts. We especially remember before you today, O Lord. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O God of infinite mercy, pour out your love upon us each day. We pray through Jesus, your anointed one, who first taught us to pray to you, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Uh, we have two readings today, and for the next few weeks we will have two readings because of the... Uh, 
the sermon series that we're starting today. And so our first passage is from the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 5. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Amen. Our second reading comes from the New Testament, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at verses 4 through 11. John the baptizer appeared in the world, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, and people from the whole Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. The word from God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So let's pray. God, as I uh, pause to speak a word this morning, empty me of me so that I might be a vessel for you, that the words that we speak might be inspired by the Holy Spirit, open our hearts and minds to receive them and to act upon them. And we ask this in your holy name, amen. All right, show of hands. Uh, who in here has been to Walk to Emmaus or one of the other three-day retreats? A lot, a lot of people. Okay, so um, if you've never heard of this, there are several three-day retreats uh, across different denominations. Uh, Walk to Emmaus is one. Uh, Curcio is another. Trace Diaz. Uh, in the prison, they have Kairos, a three-day retreat for prisoners called Kairos. Um, there are some youth, there are some for older adults. There's, there's just a gamut of these three-day retreats, and they're all pretty much structured the same way. Um, but if you go on one of these, um, when you are finished with your third day of the retreat, you kind of graduate into the next day. What do they call that? Fourth day. Okay, so you are now a member of the fourth day. You are entering into your perpetual fourth day as, as one who has been through one of these three-day retreats. And so uh, you kind of, you look for other fourth-day members, um, and we have this thing that we say, de coloris, of the colors. Uh, 
I want to go into that, what that means. But you're a fourth day member. Now, now this idea of entering into a uh, kind of a new day, uh, walk to Emmaus didn't make that up. They didn't invent that. That actually comes from the Bible. Now, in, in the New Testament, I mean, in the Old Testament, what I just read to you from, from Genesis was the first day, right? This is, this is the moment in which God um, creates something out of nothing with just a word. He speaks it, and it happens. And before that, there was nothing. It, it's just God. That, that's, that's all there is. And so this new day brings forth something brand new with a word. And, you know, we imagine this. All kinds of people have created art and told stories about what that might look like. One of my favorite is C.S. Lewis's The Chronicles of Narnia. Have you guys ever read any of that? Um, in the second, uh, no, in the first book, it's in the first book, um, you see Aslan come into this, it's just darkness. There's nothing there. And Aslan, the lion, begins to sing. And as he sings, Plants begin to grow up, flowers, trees, light comes into the sky, and he just keeps singing everything into being. And so I, I love that image. Uh, when I read Genesis 1, I, I kind of imagine that scene in the Chronicles of Narnia, God just kind of singing everything into being. Of course, in the New Testament, we have this new day, this new day with the arrival of Jesus. Now, Jesus, we believe, is the long-awaited Messiah, the one that the prophets in the Old Testament foretold would come one day. And, and we didn't know what that would mean or what that would entail, but Jesus comes on the scene, and, and we're, we're hanging out with Jesus, and, and He dies, and He's resurrected again, and we're trying to figure out what, what is happening. And, and the language that began to be used uh, was that Jesus is ushering in a new day. So you have both Genesis 1 and Mark 1 that I read for you gives us this picture of new beginnings. And both passages, did you pick up on, on some of the similarities between the two? You have, in both passages, you have water, right? Water is, is part of what's going on there. Um, the version that I read said that a wind swept over the waters. That word wind is actually spirit. Our translators don't know how to translate it because it could be wind or breath or spirit. But, but most people recognize that as the spirit of God. So the spirit of God is kind of hovering over the waters. Of course, in, in Mark, Jesus is baptized and the Holy Spirit descends like a dove and a voice comes from heaven. The voice coming from heaven says, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. Of course, in, in Genesis 1, God speaks, and with that word, things come into being. So we have God speaking. We have Holy Spirit hovering or descending. We have water elements. Both of these connected to both passages, uh, and, and both of them kind of ushering in this new era or this new thing, this new day. And so today on on. The baptism of our Lord Sunday, we reflect on baptism. We reflect on our own baptisms. We would say in the Methodist uh, tradition and other traditions too, that baptism kind of marks the beginning of your faith journey. So whether you were a, a baby when you were baptized or perhaps an, as an adult, we have adults that also get baptized when they 
come to um, profess Jesus as Lord and they want to get baptized. Either way, that baptism is the beginning of your brand new day in Christ, your brand new faith journey. In fact, I believe that when that water touches your skin, it's just ordinary water, but when that water touches your skin, God pours out gifts and graces upon you. Something is happening in that moment of baptism. In fact, we would go so far as to look at the baptism of Jesus and say, Whatever is happening to Jesus really is what's happening to us. So what do we see? We see God speaking a word over Jesus saying, You are my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. And so we would say when you're baptized, there is a silent word being spoken from heaven. This is my child in whom I am well pleased. Whether you're a baby or whether you are an adult, God is proclaiming this to the cosmos. This one right here is mine and I am well pleased with this one. The second thing we think is happening is that the Holy Spirit is somehow, we see the Holy Spirit come down and descend like a dove, peace. A dove usually symbolizes peace, but the Holy Spirit is involved in some form or fashion. I imagine perhaps the Holy Spirit kind of making a promise that I'm going to wash away the darkness of a clouded mind so that you might see the light of Jesus clearly. And so if you're a baby... Of course, as you grow up, there are things in life that begin to influence how you see the world. And so the Holy Spirit's there saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you see the straight and narrow as you learn who Jesus is and as you hopefully choose Jesus as your own Lord and Savior. If you're an adult and you've already made a decision for Jesus, that Holy Spirit is there promising, hey, you're, you're moving into a new era now as an adult. Your old life is gone. You're moving into something new. And I promise to keep your mind and your heart open and clean. So that water kind of represents this washing. Of course, we also say that baptism uh, has within it this idea of being buried and resurrected again. There's language in the Bible that talks about being buried with Christ and resurrected to new life, to a new day. And so we celebrate the baptism of Jesus. I'm thankful that Jesus insisted in some of the versions, John is kind of hesitant. I don't know that I should be baptizing you, Jesus. It should be the other way around. And Jesus says, no, it's got to be this way. And I'm thankful for that because Jesus models for us what we are to do and receives those gifts and graces visibly so that we can know what is happening when we are baptized. And so we give thanks for the gifts that were poured out on us in our own baptisms. I noticed something this week. I don't know if you've ever paid attention. We have our baptismal font up here in the front. Do you know how many sides it has? Any guesses? Anybody ever paid attention? Eight sides. It's got eight sides. That's not an accident. That is a theological statement that is being made on that baptismal font because we know that in Genesis chapter 1, God creates everything in Six days with the spoken word. And then what happens on the seventh day? He rests. And so then when Jesus arrives on the scene, and Jesus comes and says, I am the one that the prophets foretold, and I'm doing something new. I'm making all things new. Christians began to call the arrival of Jesus as the eighth day. 
You ever heard that before? We are entering into eighth day of creation. We are in uncharted waters here. We don't know how this is going to unfold, but we know that with the arrival of Jesus, something new is happening. So God wasn't finished creating after the seventh day and He rested. God continues to create something new. You might say He created the church. You might say He created uh, a new covenant, expanded covenant. We call that the eighth day creation. And so when you are baptized and you're entering into Christ, you're joined to Christ in this way, you too are entering into eighth-day creation. That's why there's eight sides on the baptismal font. Now, I knew that in the back of my head, but I was, me and Brandy were here this week, and I was preparing my sermon, and it was like this light bulb moment. I went, wait a minute, wait a minute. Baptism enters into new, and I ran in here and went, hot dog, it's got eight sides. I knew it. It's got eight sides. It's an, it was an epiphany. It was. <laughs> the gifts poured out on you in your baptism initiated something brand new. Eighth day new. It is to be joined to Christ. It is to be joined to that eighth day creation. It's to be declared part of the holy family of God, uh, a beloved child in whom God is well pleased, sealed with the Holy Spirit. Even if you reject this, a lot, of course, a lot of infants are baptized and, and go on to reject Jesus or stray away from, from uh, what they were raised in. But even when that happens, folks, what was proclaimed over you in that baptism can never be taken away, right? That's where we get the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son who, who wanders away is still a son, will always be a son. What is proclaimed over you in your baptism can never be taken away from you. You are forever part of God's eighth day creation, part of the family, whether you recognize that or not. And so what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks, this sermon series is called Becoming the People of God. Becoming the People of God. And I thought about that title, Becoming the People of God. I thought, well, are we saying that, that, that there are some things that don't belong to God? No, we're not saying that. Everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God and every person belongs to God because God is the one who spoke it all into existence. It came from the mind and the mouth and the heart of God. So it all belongs to God. But I think that there is a, a certain life that God desires for us to live. I think that's what Jesus was trying to proclaim as He came in His public ministry there is this thing called abundant life or eternal life, and I want you to have it. Because as one who belongs to God, this is part of what it, what it means to be a child of God, to live into this abundant life. But see, you've got to know that first and foremost, which is why Jesus preached it. And secondly, you've got to embrace that reality to receive it, to live into it. And I thought, okay, this might be comparable to wood carving. Have you ever seen, uh, have you ever gone to local fairs and you see these local artists that carve just, just beautiful things out of wood? All kinds of stuff. I was looking up pictures this week on the internet. Uh, my uh, grandfather, my mom's dad, uh, was just an artist. He, he painted paintings and he carved a lot of things and 
one of, one of his specialties was he would carve little, little birds, uh, various types of birds, and then he would put a, like a little pin clasp on the back and he would paint them and give them to various folks. And so if you got one of Harold Frick's painted carved birds, it was like, you know, everybody wanted one. He had this, uh, as a kid, he had this probably two foot high, two and a half foot high, uh, carved Native American painted, and it stood by the door of their house. And when you entered the house, he was always there, and we would pat him on the head, and we, you know, we all loved that. And when my grandfather passed away, everybody wondered, who's going to get, who's going to get that guy? Who gets to take him home? My aunt, she ended up getting it. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm happy for her. But we were all jealous. You know, it's like we all wanted that in our house when Grandpa passed away. Um, but I do have a, a few things that he carved. In fact, I brought one today. Um, this is a little, this is a little fisherman. I thought, Lily, I thought it goes well with our water theme today. Little guy uh, sitting on the banks of the river fishing. And so he carved all of that and painted it and carved the little fish and painted that. It's very special to me to, to have have that in my possession. And I've got a couple other things that he worked on as well, uh, but that one is kind of special to me. You know, as a non-carver, uh, I am tempted to look at some of these pieces, and, and I'm just kind of in awe. I'm like, how, how can somebody do that? How do they have the ability to, to take a chunk of wood and turn it into something beautiful like that? I heard a story one time that one man was asked, how, how, how is it that you can do this? How do you have this ability, this talent? And, and the man said, well, it's not that I take a hunk of wood and turn it into something beautiful. I see what the image is in the, in, in the piece of wood, and I begin to carve away what is not part of that image. Have you ever heard that before? So it's like opposite for him. When he looks at a piece of wood, he sees an eagle or a, a, a kid fishing on the banks of the river and begins to strip away what is not that eagle or what is not that boy fishing. And I, and I thought, this, this is what it's like. This is what we're talking about here. When we talk about baptism and living into the life that God has for us, we are already made in the image of God. When God looks at us, He sees His reflection. He sees His image. And so what we're asking is God... Strip away what doesn't belong, what is not part of that image. Begin to cut that away. And yes, that might be a little bit painful or it might make me sad or, or hard to bear, but ultimately, if it doesn't belong, I want it gone. I want it out. And so this, this is what it means to become the people of God, which begins with baptism, really. When you're baptized, the Holy Spirit says, hey, if you're willing, I, I'm going to start cutting, you know. And this is a lifetime journey. This is a lifetime journey. You know, if you're baptized as an infant, you've got your whole life for that stuff to kind of be whittled away and for God to finally appear in you. If you're an adult, it's probably going to be a little bit more rapid, you know, but you've got the mind to, to take what needs to happen, you know. But this is, this is what's happening in, in baptism, that if we are willing... God will begin to, to cut away the stuff that doesn't belong there. 
And I think this is what Jesus meant when he said, you know, whoever the Son sets free is free indeed. There is this beautiful ego in there, whatever image it is, and, and, and if you let me, I will set that free, but you got to let me do some work on you, some, some surgery. So this is all well and good if you're sitting here listening this morning and you've been baptized, but perhaps there are some folks here today that have never been baptized. We can change that. It's very easy, very, very easy. If it's something you would like to participate in, you can just talk to me after church and we'll set up a time and, and we'll do it and we'll all celebrate. But I want you to know that baptism isn't a magic bullet and God can certainly and does certainly shape people and has shaped people <coughs> throughout history with or without baptism. If you don't believe me, just look at the thief on the cross, right? Probably never went to synagogue in his life, never baptized, uh, just, says, uh, just simply says, remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, hey, no problem, buddy. We're going to be together. So baptism isn't a magic bullet, but I do believe that there are gifts and graces that come with baptism. And it was important enough for Jesus to model this for us, to insist to John, no, this is the way it's got to be. And so I think it's important enough. If Jesus said, it's, you've got to do it to me, and then I'm going to tell my disciples, go out and make more, more disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's important. Jesus is saying this is an important thing. And so if there are good gifts that are available to us in baptism, what would hinder you from receiving what God wants to give freely? Which is what the eunuch said in, in, in the book of Acts. Uh, Philip, the deacon, was traveling along and the first convert to Christianity was this Ethiopian that was riding in the chariot, and he was reading Isaiah, and he didn't understand it. And Philip explained it to him, and he said, I believe it. What would hinder me from being baptized right here and right now? And Philip says, here's a puddle of water. Let's stop. Let's do it. We can do it right here, right now. What would hinder you from receiving what God wants to give so freely? Baptism is a new morning, a new beginning, if you want it. Similar to what we see in Genesis chapter 1, God is creating something new, and it's a mystery, and we don't understand it, but we trust in it. And so I'm going to leave you with the gospel according to Cat Stevens, who said, Morning has broken like the first morning. Blackbird has spoken like the first bird. Praise for the singing, praise for the morning. Praise for them springing fresh from the world. Mine is the sunlight, mine is the morning. Born of the one light, Eden saw play. Praise with elation, praise every morning. God's recreation of the new day. Folks, we are members of that new day. You may be a fourth day member, but you're also an eighth day member of God's new creation. May 2024 be a time in which you pause to ponder at this mystery and to give thanks to the one who breathes new life into those who desire it. In the name of the Father, Son, 
and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We receive this blessing as you head into a brand new year, remembering your baptism and the new beginning that came with that. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you today and every day. May you know what it means that you are perfectly loved, that you are completely forgiven. God is not holding anything against you. And you're uniquely empowered by the gifts received in your baptism and in communion and in this community together. And now you're called to walk out those doors and emulate Jesus. He called you the light of the world. Guess what? You're going to forget. You're going to forget who you are and whose you are. You're going to make some selfish decisions this week. You're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt other people. And When that happens, it does not change who you are and whose you are. It doesn't change how God feels about you. You are still a beloved divine child of God. You always will be. So get up, confess it to the Lord, and move on. And know that God loves you and sees you as the best of the best of the best. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, take that good word and go from this place in peace.